one of the greatest revivals ever in America, to have almost 1,300 people come to know Christ is an amazing thing. But I want to tell you something. If this revival would end right now, it'd be a failure for some of you. I mean, as far as you're concerned, we might as well have nobody saved, nobody converted. Because you cannot go to heaven because you have observed a great ingathering. You cannot go to heaven because you have been a spectator of one of God's unusual great outpourings of His blessings. And I'm glad I've been an observer of this, and you're glad you've been an observer of this. But I want you to know, my friend, and I'll talk about this in more depth in a moment. It's really great that 1,253 people have been saved. That's wonderful. But unless you've experienced that, and you're lost tonight, unless you've experienced that, and come to know Christ as Savior, if you needed to know Christ, then it's been a failure, you see. Because the Bible says the good shepherd will leave the 99 and go after the one. God is concerned about those who are lost. You say, well, preacher, don't we need to be concerned about those who are saved? Yes. In fact, I've changed my message for Sunday four or five times. I still don't know what to preach. If you get a word from the Lord about what I ought to preach Sunday, you call me about midnight tonight. But don't do it unless you got the outline, okay? I'm still wanting jo the Lord. I almost said John. I just saw Cleta John up there. Good to have you again tonight. He's been here before. But it's great to have God telling us that there is still a day when people will respond to the gospel. Aren't you glad for that? If nothing else from this week, in my lands, there are, a lot of, there are a lot of things I've learned. But if nothing else, I've learned that people are still starving to hear the gospel preached. You say, well, if that's true, why are so many churches empty? Because the churches that are empty aren't preaching the gospel. That's why it's happening. Now, take your Bibles and let's look at that passage we looked at three Monday nights ago. Matthew chapter 13, the message of the wheat and the tares. I want us to look at Matthew chapter 13. I've never preached a message where I've had more questions or comments than this message. And I want us to look at it tonight. Matthew chapter 13, these are the words now of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 13, verse 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came. Who is the enemy? Satan. The enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. Where did he sow tares? Among the wheat, and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? Oh, but he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather you together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat, and put it into my barn. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, telling us that there is a difference between the wheat and the tare, 
the sheep and the goat, the heaven-bound, the hell-bound, the good, the evil, the lost, the saved, and how we need to learn that. Now, what on earth is a tear? A tear is a person that looks just like a Christian, acts like a Christian, talks like a Christian, lives like a Christian, appears to be a Christian. A tear is a person, a lost person, a hell-bound person who gives every appearance of being saved. Every appearance, I say, of being saved, but they are not. It's not the drinking church member. It's not the cursing church member. It's not the backsliding church member. It's not the hot and cold church member. It's the finest church member that you'll ever see. They give every appearance of being wheat, but they are a tear. That's why Jesus said, don't you go out and try to tell me who's a wheat and a tear, because if you try to take out the tares, what would you get? You'll get some of the wheat also. Why would they do that? Because they look so much alike. You listen to me. Don't you ever look at anybody and say, well, I just know that person's saved. Now, I know that you probably look at me and say, oh, Brother Bailey, you just, I know you're saved. I know Sandy's saved and Albie's saved and I know some other people. My friend, I want you to know, there's only two folks that know I'm saved, me and God. Just us. We're the only ones, you see. And God knows. You don't know. Now, they may have every appearance, but I want to tell you, folks, there are a lot of people who have had years of practicing acting. And they know how to act. It's kind of like in the Miss America contest. They're behind the stage, and they're saying, get out of here, get out of here, and the camera up and they A lot of folks had that practice, you know. Knowing how to act, but they are tares. Now, the people you would predict to be unsaved, you would never predict the tares. Let me, let me repeat that. Those that you would pick out as being unsaved, in a church will never be the tares because the obvious people who are unsaved are not like the tares because the tare is so similar to the wheat and the person that goes to church that's just obvious laws they're not they're not like the tare because it's just so obvious they're they're lost you say brother Bailey do you think there are a lot of members of First Southern Baptist Church that are lost I mean, folks, they're really lost. We can't even find them. They're physically lost. They're spiritually lost. I don't know where they are. I know where some of them are if they've died. Now, look at verse 25. But while the men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. Why would I preach a message like this? Because I don't want the deacons of First Southern Baptist Church to die and go to hell. And I don't want the Sunday school teachers. And I don't want my dear friends of our church. I've spent a lot of years in this church and a lot of time with many of you individually. And if there's one thing you must know, you must know that you're saved. You must know that you've been born again. You must know that. I remember so much counseling that I've done. I've said to myself, those people have an area of their life that they've barricaded against God. There's some area of their life where Jesus Christ is not Lord. But I want to tell you folks, the longer this crusade is gone, what I have discovered is that area of their life is not an area of carnality. It is an area that's a big, huge sign pointing up the fact they have never really been saved. Never been saved. And that area of their life, they said, God, you can get any area, but not this area. 
Oh, God, not into the smoking area. God, stay away from that. Stay away from the booze area. God, stay away from that. God, I want you to stay away now from that cussing area. Just stay away from that. God, that's one little area I want for me. My friend, when you got saved, you gave up any areas for yourself. What does Vance Havner says? If Christ is not Lord of all, He is not Lord at all. And when you give your life to Christ, He literally, the Bible says, move in. You see, if you reserve something for yourself, then who's Lord of your life? You are. And that will not work. Now, I want to say three things about the tares from this passage. Number one, I want you to notice that the wheat and the tares are sown together. S-O-W-N. They are sown together. Now, notice the Bible says that here, the good man, that's representing the Lord Jesus Christ, the good man comes out and he sows the wheat, and the wheat beautifully springs up. But then, up comes the tear. Now, the tear and the wheat, how many fields are they in? Tell me. One. Ah, they're not two fields, not three fields. One field, there's the wheat, there's the tear. They're all mingled in together. They are sown together. Just like tonight, there are two kinds of people here. Only two kinds. They're the hell-bound, heaven-bound, saved, lost. Those that have life, those that have death. I'm looking at many of you tonight that are tares, and others of you are wheat. You're all in the same stadium. You're all in the same crusade. Many of you are in the same church. Notice that the wheat and the tares are sown together. Together. The Bible, the King James ver Version says, and the tares were sown among the wheat. Do you know why the devil gets so many people to join a church? Because he gets lost people to join. You see, the devil's not greatly concerned about the drunkard and the prostitute. They know they're wicked. But if the devil can just get enough unregenerate, unredeemed, people that are not born again to join the church, then they'll vote wrong on every issue. I just had some dear friends in my office today. They're sitting right over here on my right, right at this very moment. And they said, you know, we believe that 50% of the people in our church are lost. And they go to a church about the size of ours. And he said, man, preacher, you won't believe how some of the people in the church think it has nothing to do with the Spirit of God. Notice. The devil tries to get lost people to join the church. Walk that aisle. Like one of our deacons told me in office, Preacher, I had a religious demon. And that demon kept saying, join the church. That religious demon said, be a deacon. That religious demon said, tithe. That religious demon said, give to that building program. That religious demon said, do good. Be honest. Why? Because if the devil can get you doing good things, why do you need to be saved? I guess the best reason you need to be saved is to escape hell and make heaven. My friend, I want you to see here. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, that you are to examine yourself. Now the wheat and the tares, they both read their Bible. They both kneel at the family altar. They both pray. They both go soul winning. They both go to evangelism explosion. <laughs> By the way, last night in Fort Smith, a lady came over to visit from First Baptist Church. She was ahead of their evangelism explosion and she got saved. Last night, just came over as a visitor. Well, that's good. Now look, why does that happen? How do you know if you're a wheat or a tear? Well, now the devil had an experience with some of you, but some of you had an experience with the Lord. The devil plants the tares, but Christ plants the wheat. 
You say, well, how do I know if I'm a tear of wheat? Well, one good way of knowing is your nature changed. Is your nature. And I'm not talking about external stuff. Hear me out. Do you know that if you'll talk to those people who live in the part of the country where the wheat and the tares were grown, they'll tell you you cannot tell a tear until you break open that kernel and look inside of it. And it's only when you break open that kernel that you know it's not wheat. And my friend, some of you on the outside look like wheat. In Sunday school class, you look like wheat. In deacon's meeting, you look like wheat. In that choir, you look like wheat. But I want you to know when God opens up your heart, He knows you're a tear. He knows it. Because what you did is Satan gave you an emotional experience or somebody kind of pushed you down the aisle or somebody said everybody's going down tonight, you go down. Or somebody said you join this church by baptism or you get sprinkled or you go through catechism or you go in and talk with a preacher and you did all of that but you never had any convicting power, you never repented of your sins, you never turned your old life into a new life and Christ never saved you. You say, well, preacher, I've been in church all my life. Yeah, the tear is always with the wheat. Always. Always with the wheat. The problem is, you've just never been born again. Now, let me say secondly. Not only is the wheat and tear sown together, but they're grown together. They're grown together. Look at verse 28. The servants ask, shall we go and gather the tares? But he said, no lest you root up the wheat also. Let both, this almost seems cruel, doesn't it? Let both grow together until the harvest. All both say their prayers, both go to Sunday school, both testify, both tithe, the wheat and the tare. Both walk the aisle, one got saved, one didn't. Both got, one got baptized, the other just got wet. But notice the Bible says they are grown together and only the angels know the difference. Only the angels know the difference in the two. I've been amazed lately of how many people have come to say, Preacher, I've just been, I've just been lost. One of the finest ladies in our church, she's here tonight. I've looked at her a dozen times as I've preached. You know what she said? She said, well, let me, let me just tell you the process of her logic. Listen, I think it's so typical of, some, of what some of you need to come to the fruition of tonight. One night when so many people are getting saved, she said, well, I've had doubts, but I think I'm all right. A uh, couple of nights later, she said, well, I, I just better go get baptized in case. And then a few nights after that, she got me off to the side and she said, Preacher, I was lost all the time. Isn't that amazing? And she has been baptized. She went from wondering, well, maybe I'm all right, to saying, well, I better just make sure. And when she did make sure, she looked back and said, I know I've been lost all the time. And my friend, if the devil can allow you to go floating to hell, he'll let you float. All of these, I know everything's all right. Just deceived. He is the disciple of deception. And the most horrible thing about being deceived is you don't know when you are. That's the horrible thing about it. It's like a lot of people who are ignorant. They don't know how ignorant they are. They're too stupid to know. I heard a radio preacher said, Boy, I'm not an educated fool. I'm just as ignorant as I can be. And sometimes I wished I was ignorant. 
some of you are getting ignorant. Now listen. They are sown together, the Bible says. They are grown together. Look at verse 29. The Lord said, no, no. Because if you try to dig up those tares, you will also get the wheat. One of the most renowned preachers that ever lived on his deathbed. A dear friend was leaning over him. Here's a man that had seen thousands of people come to know Christ through his preaching. But this man said, oh, I'm burning, I'm lost. I preached to thousands, but I myself have never known what it is to be born again. He looked up at that dear Christian saint and he said, tell me how to be saved. Here's a man that had preached to masses around the world, but had never made a personal confrontation with Christ. My friend, a lot of evangelists and pastors have made a joke of the ministry. I mean an absolute joke because they have never been saved, never committed their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, thirdly, not only have they grown together, sown together and grown together, but they're known together. Did God said leave them alone permanently? No. He said leave them alone until when? My friend, one day you're going to be gathered. One day you're going to be gathered. One day you're going to be gathered. One day choir, you're going to be gathered. And God's going to know which of you have been singing because you love music and which of you have been singing because you love Jesus. He's going to know the difference. He's going to know who's been a deacon because he thinks it's important to be a deacon and who's been a deacon because he's a deacon for Jesus' sake. And who's been playing an instrument to help out or who's been playing an instrument because of Jesus. You see, there's going to come a time when there's a harvest. And in that harvest, the Bible says, they will be known. They'll be preachers thinking they're wheat, but they'll be tares, soloists, quartets, priests. Important officials, governors, presidents, kings, queens, paupers, educated people, the illiterate, all walks of life who will walk arrogantly before the throne of God expecting entrance. But he'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Because they are tares. And only when at the judgment bar of God he reaches and opens up that heart will the watching world know they've been tares all along. My friend, the Bible says they shall be known together. Now, let me tell you three things quickly that the Bible says how the devil deceives those who are tares. Number one, he binds the evil people with bad work and blinds the good people with good work. I said the first thing he does, he binds evil people with their bad work Man, they're just in the clutches of evil. You see, it's my job and your job to try to make Sheriff Wells' job a little bit easier. If churches in Oklahoma City were doing what they ought to do, he wouldn't have to work so hard. Amen? If we'd preach Jesus like we ought to preach Jesus instead of becoming a sacred society for snubbing sinners. To love people, to get them in our fellowship and change them by the power of God. That's what we're supposed to be about. Changing society. But because all around us, the devil has got the evil people of this county and of this world bound. They're bound and they cannot be set free because they don't understand how to be. All right, now remember what I'm telling you. I'm telling you a tear is among the wheat. The tear is the best Sunday school teacher, the best Sunday school member. The tear is the tither. The tear is the active person. But I said the way the devil deceives is first of all, he binds evil people with bad work. But listen, he 
He blinds the tear with good works. He binds the evil with bad work, but he blinds the good people with good work. Why, you're not going to bind the people at First Southern with evil work because, folks, who is any sweeter than you and me? I mean, we don't have any evil work. Oh, Brother Bailey, isn't it wonderful how wonderful I am? Am I getting more wonderfuler as the days go on? There's some of you that think just like that. And the devil has deceived you because you are nice. You are good. You are kind. You do give. You do reach down in your pocket and you meet the needs. You do show up to visit. You do read your Bible. But the devil's got you blinded because you are depending on those things for your salvation. And yet when Jesus Christ looked at a group of people who did every one of those things called the what? Pharisees. He said all Pharisees go to hell. All of them. Why? Because they're depending on their religious activity to get them to heaven. And that never will work. Now, let me tell you the second way he deceives. He deceives the wicked people by false religion. And he deceives the good people by the right religion. You say, Brother Bailey, how does the devil do that? Well, you, you know if I were to preach false religion, you'd recognize it. And if I had some guest in here to preach false religion, you'd know it. If somebody preached Buddhism or Hinduism or, or Islam, you'd know that it was wrong. Or if somebody preached something contrary to the Word of God, you'd say that's heresy. But you know what some of you do? The devil hasn't got you bound, but he's got you blind. And he's not about to preach to you a false religion because you would know better. So what does the devil do? He puts you in a church like First Southern, an active church, a faithful church, a growing church, a dynamic church, a prosperous church, a God-honored church. And some of you think because you hear the gospel and you believe it, that makes you saved. You think because you hear the truth and accept the truth that you're saved. No, 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 no. I tell you, I've seen some people that I need to walk up to and say to them, what is this? That's a bar of soap. Do you believe that soap will cleanse? Oh, yeah. Do you believe that soap will really clean your body? Yeah, I believe it will. I believe it's soap, and I believe it will clean my body. But folks, they stink. How many of you know any? No, don't raise your hand. You know some people that, man, they stink. I mean, uh, right guard uh, wouldn't help. You know, they're just, they're stink. Now, why do they stink? Do they stink? Listen to me. Are they dirty and filthy because they don't believe in soap? No. Are they dirty and filthy because they don't believe soap will really clean? No. They believe soap will really clean. But they are dirty because the soap has never been applied to their life to their body. Some of you believe Jesus is the truth. Some of you believe Jesus will change a life, but you have never made that personal. Amen. You've never applied His book to you. Alright. Now the third way the devil deceives good people is this. He deceives the evil people with ungodly people, but he deceives the good people with godly people. Some godly person one day put her arm around you and said, you know you need to go. Your mama's back there crying. If you don't walk that aisle, she's going to have a nervous shake apart. So boy, what do you do? You trot down that aisle. Preacher, I feel like that car. And I don't want to hurt my mama's feelings. 
If you were a real man, you'd join that church because your wife is just trembling because you. So what'd you do? You went and joined the church. Or your daddy's a preacher and you didn't want to embarrass your daddy. So what did you do? Man, you went down there and you became a part of the church. My friend, being a part of the church will not save you. Has there ever been a time when you personally invited Jesus into your heart? Have you been born again? If you have not been born again, you are none of His. And some of you have been deceived by good, well-meaning, sincere, godly, but mistaken people who got you to do something under pressure who made you quickly say a prayer that you did not pray from your heart, who made you quickly stream down an aisle, but you never really submitted your life, you never were under conviction, you never repented of your sins. And the Bible says, but at the harvest day, the judgment day, God will come. And let's just say that this stadium tonight represents that day. Here tonight are all of the people of the world. And the angel comes, the angel knows who's the tear. And the angel begins to gather the tares, binds them in bundles, and casts them into the fire. Some of you are going to be seated up there, and the angel's going to come, and that person by you is going to be taken. And you look up, you said, No, angel, put, put him down. Angel, that, that's my husband. He's, he's been a good man. Angel, he's been a deacon. Angel, no. Some of the rest of you got terror seated all around you and the angel is going to come. That grim reaper with sickle in hand to tear out the tares and he's going to come and take that person and you say, oh no, no, that's my Sunday school teacher. She came by and picked me up and brought me to the crusade and she's taught great lessons. No angel, don't. Angel, put my Sunday school teacher down. Don't take her. She's not a tear. The angel says, I know who's a tear. And all of a sudden, there comes a vice-like grip upon your arm and your eyes swell bigger than they have ever been before and that vice grip on your arm pinches you until you think the pain is unbearable and you, with a look of shock and dismay, look up into the face of that angel and you say, Angel! Angel, what are you... Angel, let me go! Angel, no, let me... What are you doing, Angel! Angel... Angel, I'm all right, Angel, I was a church member. But you're a tear. You've never been saved. You're not a wheat. My friend, there will be a harvest day where God separates the wheat from the tares. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. How many of you can say tonight, Brother Bailey, I don't have one worry about it. I know I'm wheat. Let me see your hand. Lift it up and hold it high. Just a moment. Thank you. May put it down. My friend, I'm not asking you if your dad was a preacher, your mom was a Sunday school teacher, or are you a Sunday school teacher, choir member. I want to know if you got that matter settled tonight. Are you wheat or are you a tear? You see, the tragedy of it is you've been sown together and you've grown together. We're all here tonight, wheat and tares, singing together, rejoicing together. But all of that proximity doesn't make you saved. And I'm going to ask you right now, if you have never been saved, some of the most ungodly people I know, I know are associated with church work. Grow across the country singing or teaching or talking, preaching. But lost, never committed their life to Jesus Christ. My dear friend, I'm going to ask you right now, if you have never been saved, 
You suspect you might well indeed be a tear? My friend, agriculturally you can't change a tear to a wheat, but spiritually you can, praise God. Spiritually you can. You can be saved tonight. You can be saved. God can change you. You say, Brother Bailey, I don't want to die and go to hell. I don't want to be harvested by that angel. I want to be placed in God's heaven, not to be bound and bundled and cast into the fire. My friend, that's your choice tonight. I don't care who you think you are as a church member. If you have never been born again, you're lost. I've heard the reporters lately say, well, so-and-so's a born-again Christian. My friend, that's the only kind of Christian there is. If you're not born again, you're not a Christian. That's what it means to be a Christian. And I'm going to ask you right now, if you want to be saved, you don't want to die and go to hell. You say, preacher, I really don't. I want to be saved. Then my friend, I want you right now to pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it aloud. Pray it with me right now silently as I pray it aloud. Dear God, forgive me of my sin. Now just pray it with me in your heart as I'm praying it. Dear God, forgive me of my sin. I want to be saved. Jesus, I totally commit my life to you. Now thank you, Christ, for coming into my heart and saving me tonight. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. But just now you prayed that prayer after me. No one's looking. But just now you prayed the prayer. Lift your hand. I want to see it. Lift it up. All of this stadium. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Many hands. Lift it up. Yes, thank you, thank you. Many hands. Yes, right there. Thank you. Anybody else? Lift it up. Yes, well, my right. Thank you, dear lady. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, buddy. God bless you. Anybody else? Be honest tonight. Anybody else? Yes, right there, young man. Thank you, dear sir. Yes, lady. God bless you. Anybody else? Was there anybody behind me? I wasn't looking. Raise your hand. God bless you. One in the choir. Anybody else in the choir? Be honest tonight. You may not have another chance. Get honest tonight. Get honest tonight. By the way, a young, young preacher came up to me the other night. He said, you know, you said four preachers have been saved. He said, make it five. Make it five. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God is blessing already tonight. In just a moment, I'm going to ask every one of you who raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to come quickly. I want you to come as soon as I get through praying. You'll hear me say, Amen. And when you hear me say, Amen, Go to those aisles nearest you. Come down these little stairs immediately in front of me and stand facing me as a public proclamation that you have said no to Satan and yes to Christ. You don't want to be a tear because my friend, harvest time may be tomorrow for you. It may be tonight for you. You better get that matter settled tonight. Whichever you are, wheat or tear, get it settled tonight. All of you that prayed the prayer after me, I want you to just come immediately after I get through praying and make your way to this front as a public commitment of your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for tonight. And oh God, I pray that as we have this final service of Starlight 1980, that no one will be left in the field as tares. But of course, Father, the angel knows. We don't know, but God, you know. And I pray you'll separate them tonight so they'll not have to be separated eternally later. Oh, God, I pray for your power to be so real, so manifested in its strength and power that, Father, no one will go away lost. They'll not say, well, everybody thinks I'm all right. 
Everybody will think that, uh, that I've been good. They'll be embarrassed. Father, we mustn't worry what others think because we know what you know. Oh, Father, I pray. I pray that no one will leave lost, but everyone will be saved that ought to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.